0: Palm Sunday, or Passion Sunday, always brings with it the entire crucifixion narrative. Even though it were five days before Good Friday, and the day of the crucifixion itself. So why is this? I think the church wants to give us time to meditate on this great gospel. On this incredible narrative, kind of the greatest of all the mysteries. uh, Kind of the most profound moment in our history. Not kind of, it is the most profound moment in our history. So take these next five days to really grapple with this passion narrative. Try to see it anew. We hear it every single year, and it's tough for us to come to grips with it every single year and and see it in a new way. But there's so much there that we we can never mind the whole depths of this great narrative. So take time this week to dig in. Don't let this holy week pass you by. So I want to comment on the, the passion narrative. I'll let you just pray with that. I want to I comment briefly on the first gospel that we heard today, Jesus' procession into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. I think it's easy to pass over this gospel without looking at the details and the complexity of what Jesus is doing here as he processes into Jerusalem. So we can look at just a few of the details of this procession. So first, before they even start, Jesus tells his disciples to go into town and to take a cult. When they see this cult, take it. Uh, no one's ever sat on it, you know, and bring it to him. And not to actually say anything to anyone unless they ask you. So it's a really interesting request that Jesus makes to his disciples. So why does Mark mention it? I think it's hard for us to recognize what's going on here because we live in a democracy. But Jesus is claiming the right of kings for the requisition of transport. So if the president of the U.S. came into Butte and and wanted to borrow your car while he was here, and he asked you, you would probably say yes, because he's the president. But you wouldn't be required by law to say yes. You could say, no, I'm sorry, I need my car, Mr. President, you can't have it. But in the ancient world, you would have had to say yes if a king asked you to borrow your car or your horse or your donkey. And it's really interesting that, that Jesus is, is using this right as a king, so he's claiming a kingship here, but he's also he's also requesting a really odd vehicle, you could say. He's, he's kind of requesting the Toyota Camry of the ancient world to to ride into town. You know, if you're a king and you're processing into your kingdom, you're claiming your kingship, why would you request a Toyota Camry? You Wouldn't you request like a 69 Charger or like a really nice truck, you know, if we're in Montana, if you're claiming your kingship here? you get a really nice truck to come into town on. So the ancient equivalent would have been a a giant war horse to ride into town on or some Arabian charger or something. But instead, he rides into town on a colt that's never been ridden. You know, imagine not the tamest of all animals. But we look to the the prophecy from Zechariah and we see exactly what Jesus is doing here. We'll just read this prophecy. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So Jesus is calling to mind this prophecy for everyone who sees him process into Jerusalem. So, what's another detail here? Where are they coming from? Mark, Mark also specifically mentions that they're coming from Bethpage and Bethany over by the Mount of Olives. Where is the Mount of Olives? It's to the east of Jerusalem. So Jesus is processing into the city from the east. And if we look to the prophet Ezekiel, we see exactly why he's doing this. Because Ezekiel makes this devastating prophecy. And in it, he he talks about the Lord departing from the temple. The The glory of the Lord leaves the temple. And so he says this, Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple, and stopped above the cherubim. While I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground, and as they went, the wheels went with them. They stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. So Ezekiel's telling the people that the glory of the Lord is leaving the temple. That's one of the most devastating moments in all of the history of Israel, to think that the Lord who who has chosen us and asked us to build his temple that he could reside on earth, has has departed, he's left, and he went to the east. But that's not the end of the story. As Ezekiel prophesies way later, he says that the Lord will return, that he will return to the temple, his glory will return, and it will come from the same direction from which it left. So he says in Ezekiel 43, Then the man brought me to the gate facing east, And I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So in coming from the east, coming upon a colt, with a crowd at his heels, Jesus is just clearly embracing his messianic status. He is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the glory of the Lord returning to the temple. But we see, interestingly, more so in Matthew than we do in our Gospel today in Mark, that the crowd is not from Jerusalem. It's not the people from Jerusalem that are saying, this is the Messiah who's come. It's the crowd that came with Jesus. The people from Jerusalem don't even know who he is when he processes in. So they're processing in, and the people ask, who is this? What's, what's happening here? And the crowd that's around Jesus says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And the people in Jerusalem didn't recognize him. This is not to, this, I mean, this takes us back kind of to the infancy narrative, I think. Kind of a sad passage. When, when the, the three kings come from the east, the three wise men, come from the east, and they enter in Jerusalem, and they go to Herod and say, so where's the, bo- the, the new king of Israel? Where's, you know, we, we notice the star rising. We'd like to go give him worship. And Herod freaks out. He has no idea there's the king of Israel that's been born. And, and all the people of Jerusalem are shaken uh, because they didn't know their Messiah was coming. And it's the same thing here. He enters into Jerusalem, and they didn't know he was coming. And these are the people in the holy city. These are the chosen people of God. They know their scriptures, and they know the tradition. But they look at Jesus as he approaches, and they know exactly what he is claiming. This man is claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be the glory of God, returning to his temple, and and, and giving judgment on the people. So how do they react to this claim? We see in the Passion narrative that they crucified him. So today we're presented with this same image. Every year we're represented with this beautiful image, with the same question because Jesus still makes the same claim in our time. He claims kingship and dominion. Not an oppressive dominion. He's riding in on a colt, on a donkey. He's a humble and righteous king, who but he does claim dominion. So what will our answer be? Would you prefer to worship a Messiah who comes by force to take away your suffering? Or would you, would you worship a Messiah who suffers with you and for you? That's the Messiah that we received. So we have much to pray over this Holy Week. uh, But enter in and really make this week definitively different from every other week of the year. Don't let it pass you by without actually entering into it. And I know it's Final Four this week. It's a difficult timing for all of us. But if you're going to watch the games, you know, mute the commercials. Don't, Don't let that stuff get into your head during this Holy Week. And I would say, hold off on the snacks and the drinks, you know, for this final four. Make this week different. Uh, Step away from your smartphone, cultivate some silence in your life. And really, uh, in that silence, not just meaningless silence, but enter into this gospel narrative, to to what Jesus tells us uh, in his death and resurrection. So I promise you, if you make this week different... It will bear great fruit in your life, because our Lord is never outdone in generosity. Amen.